Welcome to episode 84 from The Shed Ends with myself, T. Theo. First of all, happy birthday. Recording on your birthday. Uh, dedication. How are you doing? <laughs> Not bad, thanks. It's slightly under the weather, a bit of a cold, I think. That's, um, the Dortmund, the that's Dortmund brewing at the moment. caught up with you. <laughs> uh, the Dortmund, the Dortmund, Dortmund variant has kind of <laughs> finally caught up with me. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's my birthday today, so a year older a year wiser, like they say, and I'm turning 26. So from a Chelsea perspective, that's a lucky number. John Terry's lucky number 26. And there's nothing I'd rather do on my birthday than talk Chelsea and record a podcast. I feel like it's much needed on a Friday afternoon, uh, like we love kind of discussing. So probably my highlight of the day so far, talking Chelsea on my birthday. Hopefully gets hopefully gets better. Um, this can't be the highlight of your day, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's always good to, to catch up as we do every week. Um, you know, Everyone who's new to the channel, if you're new, make sure you go and subscribe. Make sure you hit that link tree link in the description. It takes you to all our social um, accounts and all our podcast episodes as well. So make sure you do that before you leave this video. And yeah, let's get straight into it because there's a lot to talk about. We've got to go all the way back to last week, last Sunday. I'm not talking about the Carabao Cup final. I'm talking about our dismal, abysmal performance against Spurs. Um... You know, we've, we've had a really good record there since 2018, as I mentioned last week. We we get to, to, to Tottenham and we we allow them to, to, to basically play through us um, like we weren't there. Non-existent, poor performance. I couldn't pick anyone out of that team that I thought played well. But what was your thoughts going into that game? Obviously, we gave our predictions. You know, we, we, we kind of was apprehensive in terms of goals but what was your thoughts when when you saw the lineups when we I thought we played well we started the game really well but then we just fizzled out as per usual but what, what was your thoughts yeah I mean like you said um, I think I wasn't that optimistic going into the game I think my prediction was a 1-1 draw I said a draw not a defeat because simply given our record against Tottenham and the rivalry I thought somehow the players would turn up um like you said, I thought in spells we did play well. I thought we had a lot of the ball, um, but as always, we don't really know what to do with the ball. Uh, I think a couple just simple shots on target from Jao Felix that you know were quite comfortable for Fraser Forster. But other than that, there was nothing really troubling for Spurs, and they kind of would have really enjoyed that performance, and their fans would have really enjoyed it as well because Chelsea never really kind of looked like they were going to score. They were having all this ball, all, we were having all this possession, but we just weren't doing anything with it, which just seems to be the same old story that we've um, we've had in the last few games. Um, Mumps under Graham Potter. Um, it's annoying. Like you said, like our record against Tottenham has it's been so good lately. I think last defeat in the league against them was November 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and it was still at Wembley and back then, I think. Um, so yeah, a very frustrating performance. But what annoys me even more is having we lost Thiago Silva to an injury. Um, you know, I think it was Harry Kane landing quite awkwardly on his, on his knee. And I think as soon as you lose Thiago Silva, you lost not only a world-class player, but you've also lost a leader on the pitch. We didn't have Aspi, obviously. He's still recovering from his head concussion. So it almost felt like we were just kind of, we didn't really know who to kind of take instructions from. We've spoken at length about Graham Potter on his podcast, being he's not maybe the right manager to just give you kind of some tactical instructions on the touchline like a, a Thomas Tuchel or Jose Mourinho would have done in the past. So um, it felt like we were just in that second half. We just didn't really know what to do. And we saw that they scored within, I think, 60 seconds of the restart of the second half, um, Oliver Skip. And again, a bit clumsy communication defensively. It wasn't great. I think it was 
Kepa could have easily caught that. Yeah. I mean, he, sh- he was about to catch it, but then Enzo clears it. Two Spanish speakers, you'd think somehow they could just scream at each other to you know say what they're going to do to him, but no, it didn't, it didn't work. And then Koulibaly as well, it almost felt like he just died, he just jumped a bit too late to try to block that um, Oliver Skip shot. So a very um, preventable goal, in my opinion. Um, but it's just annoying. Uh, I think I think both of us weren't really in the mood to record stuff last of this week simply because you know it was Spurs. We were frustrated. I even had to take a break from using Twitter for a bit because it was just so toxic and frustrating to look at. But yeah, all in all, a very abysmal performance, like you said, and it just doesn't really give you much confidence going into games at the moment. Yeah, it's 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 hard. It's hard to pick out anyone who in that game for me was played well. I mean. I couldn't understand the formation at first. I felt like Hakim Ziyech when we, you know, it was almost a hybrid, um, you know, four at the back and we had the, the sort of wing backs and it almost felt like Hakim Ziyech when we, we didn't have the ball, was played as a right wing back. Didn't suit him at all. Didn't suit him at all. I'm still puzzled as to how Hakim Ziyech, who was a player that was clearly, you know, out of Graham Potter's plans, he was allowed to talk to PSG. He was there. He, was, he almost signed for the club. He's still playing ahead of certain players, but... And not to single him out, I don't think he's the, he wasn't the, the reason we lost or we, we didn't play well against Spurs. But I just think if he's not in the manager's plans, why is he in the team? Or if he wasn't in the manager's plans, is it just a case of, you know, keeping him fresh, keeping him in the shot window? I don't know. But even even his even his altercation was weird. I mean, the, the referee, and not to blame on the ref, I don't want to put pin, pinpoint it down to the ref, but his, his, the, the referee was poor. And it has been poor for a couple of weeks now, not just in Chelsea games, in other games as well. But, you know, the, the whole sort of, I've got to say, I've got to give him a red card to be able to review it on the VAR. It's just, it's stupid. It delays the game. Um, I don't think it was even a red card, if I'm honest. I think it was, you know, there was, a, I mean, if you're going you're gonna to send off Hakim Ziyech, you may as well send off Emerson Royale. That whole interca- altercation doesn't happen if Royale doesn't even run into him, doesn't push him, doesn't, try and antagonize things it was just a mess it was just a melee of chaos and you know i don't want to pinpoint that down to why we didn't win we didn't win because we, we again we're playing for me personally you know you're, you're playing kai havertz again as i've said on here many many times before you're playing kai havertz as a striker he's not a striker you know we're two nil down you're bringing on a bamiang Pierre Emmerich. let's get it right this time <laughs> we're bringing him on um, bringing him on 10 minutes to go we're 2-0 down he's coming on against a team that you clearly know hates him from the, the bottom to the top they hate him he's ex-Arsenal what's he supposed to do in 10 minutes I just for me personally I don't get it and that's the, the bits where I'm struggling where uh, I see zero from from the management zero from the assistants on the bench um it was just a poor performance. And I think like you said, you know, when you lose someone like Thiago Silva, you do, there isn't any leaderships, leaders or no no one to lead leadership on the pitch. And, you know, we used to have John Terry. If we didn't have John Terry, we'd have Gary Cahill. If we didn't have him, we had someone else and going even further back, you know, Frank Lampard, you had Didier Drogba, you had Diego Costa, big names, big players, you know, Uh, we don't have any of that. We've got, we've got, you know, one or two good players. Lorenzo Fernandez didn't look didn't look his best against Spurs, but again, uh, I'll ask you. You know, is he is he being 
played in a role that suits him. I, I, I don't think he is, but what do you think about Enzo? Because I feel like we're not going to get the best out, out of Enzo until we're playing him slightly higher up the pitch, um, which I think he did slightly for Benfica as well on a couple of occasions or more so. Um, but it feels like he's currently playing as this almost a, a DM, which I don't think suits him. I, I, I think he needs to be higher up the pitch. What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I think we touched upon it on last week's um, podcast is we need kind of to see him alongside an Angolo Kante so he has that freedom and to just, you know, go up the pitch and offer his support to the more offensive players. And I think that's the best of Enzo Fernandez. And he is a player that likes to get on the edge of the box, have a shot on goal, assist the, the strikers or the wingers. Um, and I felt like at the, the Spurs game, he was not able to do that. Um, we go back to the Dortmund game away from home. He was the kind of the player that was left with the defensive responsibility to track back um, with um, Adeyemi when he scored his goal. And I'm sure when he was back at Benfica, there was someone else who could, you know, play that sweeping role. So um, I think we haven't seen the best of Enzo Fernandez yet, but we've seen signs that are very promising. And I think like we touched upon last week, once we see that midfield partnership alongside Angolo Conte, I think that's when we're going to see the best of Enzo yeah, and I, I think it's harsh to to criticise any of the players that we've currently got in the squad at the moment um, that have come in fresh. I think it's hard to criticise any of them because you know I know there's been a lot of talk about uh, Mudrik, who clearly hasn't really been been given. Um, I don't think any of those players have been given a fair a fair crack of the whip to be able to say if they're good enough or they're not good enough. I think it's just a case of you know we need to to give them time to embed. They need a whole preseason. Um, to, to do what they can do but it, it definitely brings Graham Potter under a lot more pressure than he was a week ago you know seven weeks seven days ago I think he's definitely under more pressure um, what needs to change for him I mean we talk we seem to talk about him obviously he's the topic of conversation here a lot but something's got to change and is it a case of the fact that he doesn't know his best 11 you know he's come out recently and said you know he, he finds it hard to, to train the players because of the the large squad that he's got. I mean, it's just excuse after excuse, not just from Graham Potter, but from Chelsea fans now as well. But what, what's your thoughts on Graham Potter? What does he need to do? How, how long does he need before? Because it sounds like the owners are getting a bit pissed off, let's be honest. I think the owners are looking at alternatives. But what does he need to do? What, what what can he change? How does he get his best 11? What, what what should he be doing? He's got his best 11. He's got a crop of plays he can choose from. And we still don't, I mean, we're in March and we still don't know what Graham Potter's best 11 is. There's two months left of the season. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think firstly, we, we need to score goals. He needs, Graham Potter needs to get these players to score goals. Because goals get you wins. And right now we're not getting goals, so we're not getting wins. I saw that we have the third best defensive record in the Premier League behind, I think, Newcastle and Arsenal, if I'm not mistaken. But um, so, yeah, so clearly we're able to keep, keep clean sheets in some of the games. We have conceded some poor goals lately, but most of the time we're losing games by thin margins. But goals is the problem. We're not getting goals. I mean... We've brought in Bami, um we brought in Jao Felix, Mudrik, Enzo, all these players, but are they natural born goal scorers? I'm not sure they are. Uh, we don't have that clinical number nine, which we keep going on about. And I don't know if that's going to come in Cuckoo in the summer. But in the meantime, just give Abamyang a chance. I don't know if it's Todd Bowley who's whispering in in Potter's ear to, you know, isolate Abamyang. He's not, he's a bit of a bad egg. We don't want him here. He'll be gone in the summer either way. So maybe Potter's already, you know, creating his vision for the future without Abamyang. But he knows how to where the back of the net is. He's he's he scored 
20 odd goals in different seasons across the Premier League and I think he needs to come back into the team and get some goals and he's the type of player that one goal will give him the confidence to get another in the same game I reckon so I think um, but that comes back to what you said he doesn't know his best 11 he's experimenting with all these different 11s we saw Datra Fafana come in against Southampton last uh, two weeks ago will we see Fafana again this season there was talks of him going out on loan in, in January it's a bit weird you're saying like, okay he's going to go out on loan but you're still playing him same with um, Andrew um, Andre Santos, the Brazilian midfielder. There were talks that you know we Potter wanted to bring him back and have him in midfield for the for the rest of the season, but then he's also complaining that he's got too many players in training at the moment. Um, so it feels a bit like I don't know, like you're saying this, but you're also saying that you don't know which players you really want to work with. So there are a few things, in my opinion, that like Graham Potter needs to kind of work on but I think the main one is finding his best 11 that can get him goals and right now we haven't seen that under the Graham Potter um, era yeah I, I have to agree I think it's I mean look we have to we have to obviously caveat that with the fact that obviously the players have been injured um, he's bringing in a whole crop of you know new youngsters and talent but I think the core spine of your team could easily be picked out from this from this you know bunch of players I, I do really do I think he's I'll be honest I, I said to you you know I said to you before I, I can't trust his process and that was months ago that's probably two months maybe even longer I just can't trust it there's nothing I don't see anything from this manager that makes me think he is confident and, and someone said something to me last week I was ill when they said it so it, it probably like resonated with me a lot worse than it needed to but grandpa's on one million pound a month that's more than Eric Ten Hag. That's more than any manager I know. One million pound a month. Uh, I, I feel for six like, years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you break it down monthly, I mean, 12, mil, 12 million a year, a year sounds okay. I mean, that's what you probably expect a manager to be getting. But when you break it down, a million pound a month. A million pound a month. That's that's mental money. That's that should be winning me the Premier League, the Champions League. I should be. I should not be thinking about my team. You know, ten points adrift from relegation. Now, that's a worrying thing for me. And I I feel is that part of the fact that he's in this contract for so long? Like you just said, you know, almost you know six year deal. Is it is it that what keeps him very much comfortable? I mean, you see him walking around. I know we spoke about you know, the, the, the death threats and, and the, um, the threats that were given to it were, were aimed towards him, but taking that aside as well. Now, obviously that would, no one condones that, but taking that aside, um, is this why he's so sort of, he, he almost in his press conference, you know, he, he makes jokes, he cracks jokes. He's the, you know, he doesn't seem like a manager that's under stress, under pressure when you hear him talk, is that just maybe part of his persona that he can, he's able to, I don't know, hide, mask the, the worry, the pressure. But if I was on a million pound a month I, and I'm, I'm a year into it, I probably would be like him as well. I probably wouldn't be too fussed because if I get sacked, I'm still getting paid. Uh, uh, is that maybe the mentality he's got? Why are we not seeing the results? Is that why we, you know, these players are getting, X amount of days off leave and, you know, the training has been reduced down to as much as it has. Is it because the manager is financially set up for life, really, when you think about it? I mean, he's, he's set up, you know, he doesn't need to be, he doesn't need to manage for the next three years if he really didn't want to. You know, there's a lot of questions that I have to wonder about, but... 
I hope that's not the case. I really hope not. Like, I hope money and is is not a kind of a motivation to him. If he was really committed to the club, and I do feel somehow the results lately, the kind of negative um, attention and media that he's been getting has gone into his head. He did say that's affected his mental health and his family's mental health. So I do think somehow money isn't the main issue here. But like you did say, maybe he feels very secure that he's got a six-year contract. And had it not been a six-year contract, I think they would have already cut ties with Graham Potter a while ago. But I think that's maybe the only thing that's keeping him in the job at the moment. And maybe the promises he was told back in September that he'd be given at least two years to build his team and his vision. But now we're hearing mixed things about the Chelsea-Leeds game and the Chelsea-Dortmund game coming up in the next couple of days. Because some people are saying this could be make or break for Graham Potter. And if he loses these games, then it's you know it's finished and Todd Bowley would have seen enough for him to kind of sack him from his six-year contract. Then other people are reporting that even if he loses these games, he's still safe and they want to give him at least until the end of next year. Um, so I think with manager sacking, you can never know for sure. Sometimes it happens instantly. I mean, I think no one could have predicted the two-core sacking, for instance. That one threw us so, completely. Um, <laughs> it really did, yeah, it really did. So I wouldn't be surprised maybe something, you know, there's a twist in the tail or something with, with Graham Potter. You know, it could be after... He could maybe be promised that another season, but at the end of the year, the board sack him. But I think just from a fan's perspective, we've been told that these next two games are make or break. I think if we don't get the results in these two, especially the Champions League one, which is almost like what our season's resting on at the moment, then I think it's no coming back for Graham Potter with the fans, in my opinion. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's worrying because I think the fans have already uh, you know, they cut their losses with Graham Potter. I don't think the, the fans are... or majority of fans I don't want to say everyone but you know if you like you said at the very start of this you know you had to take a sort of a, a couple of days away from Twitter because it's just it is a very toxic place to be at the moment and you know I think there's a lot of fans that are calling for Graham Potter's head and I'll be honest I don't think the owners even had a, a plan B in terms of do we need to you know who who is our um, shortlist of managers if Graham Potter needs to go I don't think they had one because they don't, I don't think they probably thought at this point in the season or this point in, in Graham Potter's managerial career at Chelsea they would need to sack him I really don't think they've got a list of, of managers. They've probably had to get one drawn up now because of all the pressure and, you know, the the social media scrutiny that's being given. And, you know, Todd Bowley's been tagged in this and that from all these other, you know, some big YouTube accounts, which, you know, he's clearly already proven. He listens to Twitter spaces. He's quite active on social media. He listens to what people are saying. So, you know, they've probably drawn up a shortlist, but, uh, you know, Hansi Flick, maybe... Zidane, I don't think would work. Um, you know, Mauricio Pochettino, I think they've. There's been reports that there's, he's turned the job down previously, recently. Um, I don't think he would suit Chelsea, if I'm honest. So, I, I think we just have to. I think we suck with him. I really do. I don't see any other manager unless someone gets sat or Jurgen Klopp walks away from Liverpool. Something crazy like that happens. I just don't see us changing the manager. I really don't. I think we, we're in this, whether we get relegated, whether we, we we come out of the Champions League and we don't get European football next season. I think we just stuck with Graham Potter. I really do. Uh, I can't see the owners. Um, I, I mean, they, they should do. I think they should do, but I just don't see they're going to lose all that money. You know, the money that they, they had to pay to get him out of his deal at Brighton paying what they're paying him now to then have to pay him up, pay all his coaching staff. And there's a lot. I mean, we, we're talking about it because it's not our money, but when you're talking about hundreds of millions of pounds and, and hemorrhaging that money and just throwing it away, it's, it's money. It's millions we're talking about. So 
I, I, I wanted to ask you a question actually because someone mentioned this to me that obviously there's been a lot of change upstairs as well so we're talking about technical directors and everything else that's happened um do you think that's played a massive part i do feel we've done it the, the wrong way because someone asked me on another podcast that you know should we have got all that sorted first in terms of a, a directors and and um you know game the recruitment side of things and the hierarchy then getting a manager in afterwards to work with those people i feel like we did it the, the other way around we got graham potter in then we started building around graham potter should we've done it the other way around i think it would have made sense i think the timeline of these kind of hirings has been a bit skewed in my opinion um like we hired graham potter back in september early september and i think we're still kind of hiring all these technical directors and people to this day now so it feels like maybe those people that we, if we had hired them in the summer they could maybe have played a part in maybe the process of getting the new manager and uh, i've been told that i think six top class managers agents have you know put their names forward to um to chelsea they've contacted chelsea saying they're available we don't know who they are but apparently that's quite often now with managers that they their agents contact clubs to let them know that they're available um but yeah, I think the I'll definitely I think looking back maybe um, hired all those guys in in the summer, and then had them have a say in the Potter um, appointment before we um, we made it official. Yeah, it's it, I mean that's how I think ideally you'd want it to to, to do to be done. But um, it does worry me when I hear comments of the, the squad is too big and I can't trade them. And if that is coming from the head coach or the head the, the manager. And he's coming out and saying those things. That's worrying for me because, yeah, you've got a big squad, but you've got to be able to, to you've got to deal with it. That's your squad you've got. You know, they're not going anywhere apart from, you know, Santos who's on loan now. But, you know, you've got a big squad. You know, I've, I look back to Chukwameka. I mean, when was the last time he played a game? You know, a lot of these players, do they need to go back and play some football for the development team a bit more? You know, Lewis Hall, he hasn't really featured recently. So do we need to put them back in a development squad and just allow Graham Potter maybe just to trim the squad down in that way, you know, and just let some of these players go back into that dev squad, build up a bit of football and allow him to concentrate on the core team, the team that he wants to be playing week in, week out and, and let him focus on that. Because using the squad as an excuse now is, is to me, is the last straw. You're clutching it's stuff here now. It's, it's not... I don't want to hear my manager say that he can't cope with the squad. <laughs> that is not that, that worried me, and and I was like I said, I was ill. So everything I was reading like the last couple of days has like hit me totally different to how I would be if I was like it's normal. Um, training squad's too big. I mean, you've got coaches. It's a weird one. Yeah, I think he even said like um, he feels bad because he has to leave some players on the side while the others do the drills, <laughs> sort of like eleven on eleven versus eleven. And I was having a chat in the office with one of my colleagues the other day and we were talking about this, that pastor was saying, you know, his squad is too big and he doesn't know his best 11 and this. He did a sarcastic, like, boo-hoo kind of, yeah, I mean, you know, crying face. And it's almost like, you know, why are you complaining? You've yeah. got arguably 30 <laughs> amazing players they can work with. It almost feels like a good kind of dilemma to have. I mean, I can get his point of saying now that we have almost a fully fit squad with Pulisic and Kante coming back from their injuries. Mm. Some players will miss out on the bench on match day, which may make them a bit unhappy. I think Chalaba wasn't on the bench against Spurs or Southampton. Yeah. So I think there's decisions to be made with the match day squads. But in terms of the training, it's not like we've got a tiny little pitch in the field. We've got Cobham, you know, Multiple it's an amazing pitches. facility. Yeah. Multiple pitches. We've got um, multiple coaches as well that can work with different groups of players. 
I think, I don't know, it seems a bit weird. It almost feels like he's coming up with the, the excuses now, Mourinho style. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's learned from the best. That's the only thing he has to from the best, to be fair. He's broken every other record from every other manager. But, yeah, he's um, yeah he's got a lot to do over the next two games. But um, let's let's keep it on sort of Cobham, technically, structure. Um, redevelopment of Stamford Bridge, because that has been... A topic of discussion for many many years I think we spoke about it recently on here actually on one of the episodes but um, there's now more talk around potentially just completely knocking down Stamford Bridge rebuilding Stamford Bridge I did read 55,000 capacity surely that can't be right you're not going to knock down Stamford Bridge for an extra couple of thousand but um, surely that has to happen now to, in terms of keeping up with the big boys and by that I mean the Spurs is when I say big boys I'm talking infrastructure, not not trophies. Um <laughs> but in terms of you know, Spurs they got a brilliant stadium, you know, they set up really well. Even the Emirates is is really good now. The Etihad, I think, is again under um planning approval. They're going through more approval to increase their capacity. You look at even Everton, I mean I know they're not a massive stage in their building, but they're building a new one, Anfield. United will get in Fulham. Fulham as well Fulham. now. Yeah, that's They're it. Building that, that new Riverside stands, yeah, I yeah. believe. Yeah, so I mean, when I say competing, I'm talking in terms of capacity and bringing in more revenue as well. You know, just we spoke about the, the virtual waiting room on here not long ago, um, trying to get tickets. That would be a, a problem solver to an extent, you know, surely more tickets being available means more people get an opportunity to go to the games. But what's your thoughts on the redevelopment of Stamford Bridge? I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Obviously, I'd love to see Chelsea play in a luxurious 60,000 capacity uh, um, stadium. Um, But like I keep saying on this podcast, I I was born just around a corner from Stamford Bridge and it will be an emotional day when I see it get knocked down. I mean, I'm looking at it there in the background and it just feels like, I don't know, I'm going to have to bring some kind of memorabilia if it's a seat or something the day they knock it down because I know a lot of um, West Ham and Spurs fans did that when um, they moved grounds. But like you said, it's needed. Um, I feel like we've outgrown Stamford Bridge now. The facilities feel a bit outdated at times at Stamford Bridge compared to, you know, the Spurs Stadium and all that kind of the food courts that go around it. Um, tickets as well. If it means we can sell more tickets and more people can get have access to games, then which means revenue as well. I'm sure Todd Burley would love would love that. Um, there will be obviously the, the year or two in between um, the rebuilds where we'll probably have to move to a Wembley. Twickenham, Craven Cottage. I think I saw those were the three names of stadiums that we're thinking of moving to. Um, and it's going to be a lot of Chelsea fans maybe um, that might not be as tempted to go to games. I know, for instance, my dad, as much as he loves Chelsea, he said, I'm not going to go to Wembley every weekend. He said it. Well, I'm on the, on the opposite. I'll, I'll go for every game. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think it's definitely needed. I think there was talks of this, I think around 2015 with Abramovich, but then I think we, he didn't get the planning permission but now it seems like um, Todd Burley wants to buy, or Chelsea Football Club want to buy a bit more land around between the Stamford Bridge and Fulham Broadway to maybe expand it towards there. Um, so if everything goes right and we get a planning permission and we're able to buy that land, I think it's exciting times. I think we're getting this kind of new new squad now where um, we're seeing all these players complement the Cobham facilities and the training routines and the and the, the facilities that are available to them there. I feel like the next step now is a, a new stadium. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm already excited to see maybe some kind of visuals of what what it may look like. Yeah, I'm the same. You know, I think it's um, it's been a long time coming. Like you said, you know, I remember the um, 
Battersea Power Station idea and um, all of those things. And I think even there was talk then when Abramovich was looking at ideas to, you know, again, knock down Stamford Bridge, rebuild. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it, you know, and I think it's it's been a long time coming. It would be a sad day, 100%, because, you know, it's... It, it, you know, even Chelsea visually looking different to me would be just weird. I know, obviously, I'm used to when they didn't have the roof on the the main stand as well. But it, it's just, yeah, it's just it's just be weird. It's so so weird. Um, but it's it's, it's got to be done. You know, I think one side of football is results on the pitch, but the other side is the business side. And and I think to keep up with the other the other teams, you know, you have to you have you've got to increase the capacity. You know, we're probably in terms of top six clubs, we're probably one of the, the fewest, lowest in terms of capacity, surely. We have to be. Um, you know, Spurs, City, United must be above us. So, um, I just think it's, yeah, I think it's got to be done, 100%. has to be done. Um, so, I'm looking forward to that. It'd be a shame though, because they've only just done, I'm sure they've only just done Westview. Westview's only just been done yeah, recently. yeah. But then I think it's a question of if it does happen, would it be this summer? Would it be the next one? I can't see it being this summer if it if it is the case. Um, I reckon I reckon it'll be even longer. I think I don't know if the planning permissions yeah. have been gone through or anything. I think they're at that stage where they're just trying to get approval. I think there'll be loads of governance around it, trying to get people to sign things off and all that. So and then just thinking back to like you know, Everton, the Bramley Moor docks, I think their their stadium's taken years and they've still got two years to go till they're in there. They're not in it for another two seasons. So um be, I think it'd be a long way I was off. Gonna ask to, yeah, I was going to ask if we were to move to a new stadium for one or two seasons, which one would you prefer? Craven Cottage, Twickenham or Wembley? Um, I mean, Wembley's, e- <laughs> Wembley's easier to get to than all of them, to be fair. Well, Fulham, Craven Cottage is easier. Um, but mm, for, for me, it would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. I don't know. I've never really liked Wembley being used as a. I didn't like Tottenham being in there, and I, I just think it should be used. I think Wembley should be only used for the finals. The fact that it used to get used for semi-finals and things, I've, I've been dead against that. I've, I've, you should always only get to Wembley. Wembley should be a one-off thing, not like going there every week. So Twickenham wouldn't be bad, but. I don't know how that would work with the the rugby season, and I'm not a rugby guy, so I don't know how that would work would, would it clash with rugby season and six nations and all that I, I wouldn't know so um but Twickenham's not about I'd love to go to, I've always wanted to go to Twickenham so <laughs> it's one reason to get there I suppose um so I'm going to say Twickenham or Fulham so let's go Craven Cottage or mm. Twickenham <laughs> yeah I'd have to agree I think Craven, um, Craven Cottage because it's 10-15 minutes on the bus from mine um Twickenham because it's still kind of considered West London I suppose yeah yeah um and you wouldn't be sh- you wouldn't be sharing it with any other team um and it almost feel a bit unique to us other than the rugby games that are played there uh Wembley like you said I'm I find it weird seeing Spurs play Premier League games there it didn't yeah, really didn't sit like right it. with me I didn't like no. it um so I think um keep that for the cup finals and the international games but having Chelsea play there it will kind of ruin that kind of element of getting there you know going to Wembley always feels so special because you earned your kind of trip to Wembley or your your match at Wembley but you know just playing a Crystal Palace in a, a weekend in October yeah, yeah. doesn't imagine, really imagine doing right, that you know? every week it would take away the fun when you actually get to a final you just wouldn't get that buzz that you'd probably get from doing it on a final day so it's um yeah let's 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 go with um Craven Cottage or Twickenham but let's let's talk about let's talk about um 
Injuries, returning injuries. We might get some updates in the next half an hour or so as we're recording this. Um, but Christian Pulisic and Golo Kante have been training, been training now for, say, just over a week or so, maybe a bit longer. Um, good news to an extent. It is good and good and bad news, I think, because good, they're back in training. But, well, Kante, who thinks slots straight back into the team, but Pulisic, I mean, he's got, he, he could be down the pecking order in terms of, getting any game time anytime soon. So um, we're going to get into our Leeds preview soon, but what, what what's your thoughts on that? I mean, does, where, where does Christian Pulisic fit into this new lineup um, attacking-wise going forward? You know, all fairness, you look at the last few games, Hakim Ziyech starting. I feel like that's, you could easily start Christian Pulisic over Hakim Ziyech in my opinion. Um I do agree. I feel like no player's really stole the show since Pulisic has been, has been injured. So I don't think it's too worrying for him. But uh, you do wonder that probably means another another player that needs to be dropped off the bench now to kind of free a spot for Christian Pulisic. Um, Raheem Sterling as well as another player that can play on the wing. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see which, um, which player kind of um, is replaced by Christian Pulisic. But that being said, what we were saying before, Graham Potter doesn't have a preferred eleven. Yep. He'll always probably be mixing and matching. He'll probably play Pulisic um, in, against Leicester in a few weeks, but then play Sterling on this week and Ziyech the following week. It, I wouldn't be surprised if he just switches things up every week, but I still think I'd rather see a Pulisic than a, than a Hakim Ziyech based on kind of who could provide a bit more flair and goals. Um, I think before his injury against Man City at the start of the season, at the start of the, the new year, he looked quite he looked quite good in that game, I remember. And he is a player that can kind of get himself in the good positions, but he does sometimes lack that kind of end finish or a bit a bit inconsistent at times, injury prone as well. Um but yeah, I think like you said, Kante will slot right back in if he can stay fit. But Pulisic is a bit more of a debatable one with who um who he replaces in the team. Yeah, no, I agree with that hundred percent. And I, I I do like Christian Pulisic. I just I just think with all, all these new signings, you know, you look at Mudrick who you would expect when he hits the ground running, if he hits the ground running next season, I would expect him to be first choice on that left side. Um maybe maybe you put Raheem Sterling on the right or Madweki on the right as well. But then obviously Jao Felix, you got Mason Mount. Just so many players that can play you know, swap around in those roles. It's just, it's a good, it's a good headache to have, but I just think this is where we go back to what Graham Paul was saying about the size of the squad. Someone might have to leave in the summer again, you know, someone might have to move on and we know Hakim Ziyech will be potentially one of them, but Christian Pulisic might be one of them. I feel like he might be on that, that list of players that might need to, to go, unfortunately, but um, he's a good player. I mean, he's, he's good when he's on his day, he just doesn't do it enough. He's not consistent enough for me. Um, that goes back down to injuries, comes back down to not being in, you know, being in and out of the team, like you said. Um, so it's just a bit of both, I think. It's a bit, a bit of both. Um, so unfortunate for him. But let's go on to our preview. Let's 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 talk about segueing straight into Leeds tomorrow. As we've been recording, and I'm going to read this out, I've just read that we've... Um, I've just read something, actually. It was quite interesting. So the last time, <laughs> the last time Chelsea lost four in a row without scoring was March 1929. <laughs> There's been a world war since then. <laughs> so that tells you everything about this game tomorrow. If we don't score and we don't win, we're record breaking again for all the wrong reasons. 1929. So... 
if if anyone actually wanted to know how bad our season's going, there you go. So with that being said, let's get into our match preview. Um, what do you think about tomorrow? I mean, it's a, I'm sick of saying it's a must win, but it's one of those games that would have massive question marks over over Graham Potter's future. I think if he if he loses this, and then obviously, like you said, going on to that that Champions League game, but Leeds is a difficult game, home or away. It's a difficult game. But what's your thoughts on 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 the performance that we need to see? I'm not going to be honest. I don't think these games are must wins anymore. They're must wins for Graham Potter if he wants to keep his job, but they're not must wins for Chelsea because let's be honest, we're not going to get top four. We're not going to get, I don't even think we'll get Europa League at this rate. We'll be lucky to get Conference League. And I think as Chelsea fans, none of us want to see us in the Conference League. I'd rather not be in the Conference League than, than play in that tournament. But um, of course, just for bragging rights. And we know there's a bit of a rivalry with Leeds since there was FA, that FA Cup final replay, I think it was. Um, I'm not optimistic anymore. I wouldn't be surprised if we draw or lose it to a 0-0 or we lose 1-0 like we did against Southampton. Um, Leeds aren't really that I don't think they've been performing that well they lost to Fulham um, midweek 2-0 uh, they've got their new manager now um, Javi Garcia who yep. used to uh, manage I think Valencia and he's got experience with Watford in the Premier League so you don't know if they're going to have their new manager bounce or if they're on the contrary they might just um, not perform as well as when they were playing with um, Jesse March and before that um, um, Marco Bielsa but I think we've got a good record against Leeds in the in the, in the Premier League uh, we've beaten them in the last two seasons, I believe. I think it was that to those two Georgie Diopeds last year. Yeah. We beat them three two, and the season before that was three one. And Pulisic, Giroud, I think it might have been Zuma who got the third. Um, don't quote me on that. It was, but um, it was Zuma. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, I think. Um, bless you. I mentioned those two games. We scored three goals in both of those games. That's not happening. That's not, <laughs> that's not happening tomorrow. We'll be lucky to score one goal. Um, so yeah. The, yeah, I think it, I think the most important thing we need to see tomorrow is some goals. Um, I don't want all this thing like, oh, but we played well, we had a lot of chances, but we didn't score. We need to, you know, feel the lineup that can get us goals and have the confidence going to game to get us goals. So yeah, I'll quickly run through my lineup, which is on screen now. Um, I'm going for a back three. I think I was screaming out for this against Spurs. I thought it was needed. Um, I know we've just lost Silva, who's probably our best centre back, but I still think there's room to field three very good centre backs in Fofana, Kudabali, and Bajashil. Um, not too sure why Badger Shield didn't play a part um, against Tottenham, if I'm honest. But um, wingbacks are gone with Rhys James and Lewis Hall. We've got to remember we've got Dortmund midweek. Ben Shield was one of those players that you can't play him every single game, maybe at the moment. And I think Lewis Hall, the times he has played wingback this season, he's been a threat. He has been a threat. I remember that game against City and Fulham, he was actually having these big chances, probably our best chances we've had all year in a way. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it just, just lacked a bit of confidence in front of goal. So I think it's a good chance to bring Lewis Hall back in the game. Um, and if it's not Lewis Hall, let it be Ben Chilwell, but I don't want to see Marco Carella, if I'm honest. Um, midfield two of Fernandez and Kovacic. Again, we haven't seen the best of Kovacic this season at all. He was ill and didn't play a part against the against Tottenham last weekend but I think if Kovacic plays well I think this is a good game for him and front three Mudrik Aubameyang Felix um, Aubameyang for me has got to start it's, he's got to start I mean I'm fed up of seeing Habits and criticising him after games but he's not a number nine and he's been poor this season he's been really poor so start Aubameyang it can't be much worse than Kai Havertz and then the wingers for me I'll go with Felix and Mudrik I think Mudrik will have that pace and Felix He's been, yeah, he's had, he hasn't been as good as maybe he was um, against Fulham and, and West Ham lately, but 
he does shoot, he does get you chances. He is good with his feet getting past players, so it's got to be that front three for me. Yeah, and, uh, and regarding um, Kante, um, sorry, I was going to say have him on the bench and give him at least maybe 15, 20 minutes if he is fit to, to, to play, a, play a part. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think he's got to feature at some point because you'd expect him to start building up his minutes and, and um, you know, finishing strong, hopefully for the last part of the season but I agree I think it's a, it's a good lineup you know when you told me last night I was like yeah I can see what I can see it I can see I could see him going for that grandpa um I was trying to think the last game that Lewis Hall played in I feel like he played because I know he played in midfield in the last game and I feel like it was against Man City but I might be wrong he was a big team that we played against and he had a torrid game but it was a game I expected him not to do well in I can't remember what game it was and he hasn't played since I don't think but it would be a good game to return him into bring him back into the into the fold um, massive for our defence tomorrow massive I think Fafana has to have the game of his life in the Chelsea shirt Koulibaly has to be the, the most experienced he has to take this Thiago Silva role on uh, unfortunately he has to he has to be the most he's the most experienced after that three and he, he's got to, I mean, Baddy Shaw, when he's ever, whenever he's played, he looks so calm, comfortable on the ball. Um, but if we do go for a back three, obviously you, you're expecting Lewis Hall to bomb forward a lot more. You're expecting Reese James to do the same. You know, Fafana and Baddy Shaw, Kulabali have to be on the same page. If one of them isn't, you know, Leeds are a team that will get you on, on, on the bounce, on the council, and they have to be ready for it. So, Koulibaly has to do the Thiago Silva role uh, tomorrow if, if this is the lineup. And going forward, I think, you know, Felix, Abamyang, Mudrik, I agree with you 100%. I, I think they have to be the starters for tomorrow. Um, I have gone slightly different to you. I, I should have showed you mine yesterday. Um, I'll get mine up now. And yeah, I think, I think for me, I, I've done something that I've gone totally against what I said I would ever do. And I've, actually gone through a back four <laughs> so um no the reason i've gone through a back four is because i think you need to, to, to play that back three it's dangerous without tiago silva um i feel like was this not the game where conor gallagher the reverse picture where he got sent off quite early i feel like it was maybe maybe it was another game but i think it was um yeah gallagher got sent off against leicester at home no, and it was kula bali who got two yellows oh right kula bali got the two yellows the away to leeds it was Clum clumsy yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, there we go. I'm glad you use that word clumsy because that's exactly what he does sometimes. When when he hasn't got Thiago Silva next to him, he can be quite error prone. And so I've gone for a back four of. of I have played Ben Chilwell. I think he's he still needs to get those minutes in. Um, so I've gone for James Chilwell as my left back, right back. Badia Shield for Fon as my centre backs. Kepper and goal. Um, I've gone for Loftus Cheek in midfield um, with Kovacic. And I've pushed Fernandez slightly higher up the pitch, um, more central, to give him a bit more freedom to go forward and to support Modric, to support Jao Felix um, and Aubameyang as well going forward. I think it has to be... I think Graham Potter just has to use the squad that he's got. And I think if we had Thiago Silva, I'd definitely play three at the back. But with Koulibaly, you just don't know which Koulibaly's turning up. And if it's going to be the one that's looking to get two yellow cards, then sit this one out because we need we need we need three points let's be honest regardless of if we want to keep the manager or we, we, we're trying to back the manager the manager needs three points like you said you know I think it'd be good to see Fernandez in a more 
comfortable position for him. I feel like he's been played too deep and we're not seeing the best of him. Let's get him forward and see what he can do. And Aubameyang, like you said, has to start this game. If he doesn't start, I personally will hand deliver Graham Potter's P45 because it's ridiculous. He should be he should be starting the game. Um, he's got to go after this. If we don't win this one, like I've just read that stat out, 1929 we've not scored and we haven't won the game by the end of the, by half five on Saturday uh, I'll, I'll have lost all patience with Graham Potter there'll be nothing else to salvage for me because we're not going to beat Dortmund let's be honest so that's that's my lineup um, big question for you though before we wrap up uh, Mason Mount who clearly we don't really speak about him here anymore because I feel like we bashed him a bit. Or oh, I say we, me, bashed him a bit much than I, more than I needed to. But he, I mean, when he's come on, he hasn't really been effective. But I do feel that there's going to be a time where Graham Potter will just introduce him back into the squad. I think the last maybe two, maybe three games he started off the bench. I feel there's going to be a point, and it could be tomorrow, where he just brings him back into the lineup and says, "Look, you've had your time out the limelight. Now's your time to prove." people why you should be in the team why you deserve this contract do you, do you reckon he might get a, a nod tomorrow it's a big game for Graham Potter so I think Potter would want to pick his most informed team and whether Mason Mount fits into that I'm not sure but yeah like the small cameos he had against West Ham I think Southampton and even uh, Tottenham just hasn't really done much he doesn't really look like the same Mason Mount that used to you know got back to back player of the seasons and he feels like he's playing for that. He's trying to play for that contract at the moment, but we're not seeing anything that shows he deserves this big contract of I don't know, I think three hundred thousand a week or two hundred and fifty thousand a week that he wants. Um, and he's getting interest from a lot of other clubs, the likes of United, Liverpool, City. I think are all keen to to sign him. Kovacic, another one that City seem really keen, and Pep seems really keen on signing. But yep. two players for me that just don't really look like they want to be at Chelsea at the moment. Mm which is a shame, especially with Mason Mount, who's a Cobham boy and looked so happy when he was playing the last few seasons and he looked really invested into the club and his teammates around him. It just feels like a different Mason Mount this season. Um, but no, I wouldn't start him tomorrow. I still think he needs a bit more time I'm out of the limelight and really, oh, I say, like an easy game for him to kind of re- be reintroduced in and maybe get some kind of uh, good performance. But there's no easy games for us. It's going to say Southampton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been an easy one for me. And we really, we really underestimated them. Um, so yeah I think he still needs a bit of a break and I really hope at some point it's just something clicks or something turns around and I think as for Chelsea fans sure we bashed him but we want him to do well the same with Graham Potter we want them to do well especially Mason Mount he's a player that we've grown to absolutely love but I think it's more frustration at the moment because he's not doing well Um, but yeah I think um, I still stick with my starting 11 that I showed before yeah, no, that, that's fair. Uh, the only thing I'll say about Mason Mount is look at Marcus Rashford, who, you know, 12 months ago was was down true, and out. Yeah. He looked like he was leaving the club. The fans were against him, and now he's being tipped as one of the best um, players in Europe at the moment. So, um, yeah, you know, out of form, dips, but, but you know, I think he, I think he's, if he can pull out a good three, four months for Chelsea, I think Mason Mount stays. And I think the fans will get back on board with him and I think he's just got to get his head down in the summer and just do what Marcus Rashford done and just start performing better. Um, so I think there's a player on there. I think it'd be, I think it would be crazy to send him to Liverpool, which I think is the the destination. If he does leave Chelsea, it will be for Liverpool. So um, before we wrap up, as usual, let's, let's do our predictions uh, for tomorrow's game. Um... I'll let you go first, obviously, as always, but more so because it's your birthday as well. 
<laughs> I'm hoping for a birthday win tomorrow, um, but I'm not sure it's going to be one. I'm going to go one nil Leeds, simply just, Ooh. and I think we're going to we're going to break that 1928 record for all the wrong reasons. I'd have to agree. I think I don't see us winning. No, well, I'm going to say it again. I think I said it last week. If Aubameyang starts, we we do have a chance. So I'll go one one if Aubameyang starts. But if we don't, I think it's going to be another. I think it could be another three nil. I'm going to say three nil to Leeds. I think it would be that bad. I think Thiago Silva missing the glue at, glue at the back of the the team. You know, you're talking about Badiashul respectfully, who's just coming to the team big game for him to come into without Thiago Silva next to him and the same for Wesley Fofana coming from, from a big injury as well you know like I said koulibaly has got a massive job on his hands if we do go three at the back um, but I'm going to go 3-0 uh, Leeds unfortunately um, surely that would be curtains for Potter 3-0 at will. home to Leeds £1 million a month <laughs> 5 years <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think we're in it for the. I I said on a video once. Let's strap in and buckle in as Chelsea fans, and we are truly strapped in for this ride because it's going to be up and down, and this is a down at the moment. So um, I think he's not going anywhere. I think he stays. Um, I'd be I'd be surprised if the owners sack him before the end of the month. But I'm hoping I'm wrong. But Theo, as always, thank you very much been a pleasure on our Fridays our podcast on a Friday is always the, the pleasure like you said you did say it was a, one of the pleasures of the day and I kind of agree with you now actually it is, it is one of the pleasures of the day it um, kickstarts the weekend so yeah it's, it's always good to do that especially when I'm feeling a bit run down I'm not going to get my pint tonight I feel if I'm feeling a bit lethargic like this so this has definitely been my highlight so far yeah 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 definitely 100% and um, let's hope for three points as well and let's hope we can get out of this weekend with three points and our heads are held high um anyone who's listening make sure you subscribe to the channel make sure you hit the link tree link in the description as well that'll take you to all our social accounts podcast episodes make sure you give the video a like as well I see a lot of people viewing the video but they don't necessarily give it a thumbs up so make sure you do that as well for us and get the algorithm up and running and let us make some more viewers see the videos thank you very much for watching it's been episode 84 from the shed end until next week we'll be back with another episode thanks for listening